with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. Talking the 8-Man game week in, week out. Brandon Bainey is always joined by Will Henneke. Will, what's going on? Just trying to figure all this math out, man. I was told that this was going to be a math-free zone. And now I'm trying to figure out how teams move up, how teams move down, what win counts, what win doesn't count. It's given me a migraine, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It was the the big lie that this was going to be a math-free zone because that's all we're going to do is talk numbers today and take a look at the playoff picture. Friendly reminder, you can listen to this podcast at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts. Video version as well on the idahosports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page. You can see what we look like. I'm wearing my glasses today, for example. I usually wear contacts. And uh, I decided to pull this out of the closet, Will. Uh, This is a a hoodie I got during basketball season last year, but I thought it was really appropriate because here come the Lapway Wildcats, baby. Oh, they're on a run. They're playing some good ball right now. They're playing some good ball, and they got in a hole early, and now they're in a position, which we'll talk about more. They're one of about four teams right now in the White Pine that as long as they keep winning, they've they've got a pretty good chance to play in the playoffs, but, boy, Margin for error is not very big up there. Got to, got to run the table, but if they do get in, whew, that's a scary opponent uh, in an opening round playoff game for sure. Lapway had a huge win over Prairie last Friday that's really kind of thrown the White Pine League into chaos a little bit. So uh, let, let, we're, we're going to break it down into 1AD1 discussion first and then 1AD2 discussion to follow. And again, we'll kind of approach it from, you know, looking at the playoffs. You know, I just posted an update to the the bubble watch uh, yesterday. It's on the homepage at idahosports.com in case uh, you haven't had a chance to go check it out yet. Basically, the exercise is if the playoffs ended today, who would be in, who would be out? What would the matchups look like? And the more I'm looking at this thing, Will, I just I don't see a way. There, there's nine auto bids and three at large bids for one A D one football. I and, and the White Pine League up north gets three auto bids. I think that's going to be it for the league. I just don't see how a fourth White Pine team is going to get in with the way the Max Preps ranking system currently works. Yeah, and however that works, and that again, that's the great mystery. But um, you know, in looking at these Max Prep rankings, and I have them up on my screen over here, I'm looking at them now. You know, you have Kamei sitting in that number four spot overall based on max preps. Um, and then, <clears throat> uh, you know, your next two after that, um, yeah, there they are. There you're seeing them. Um, your next two after that, based again on the rankings, as you go down, you know, there's Grace, there's Notice, Butte County, and then you get down to Clearwater Valley at 10, Lapway at 11, Potlatch at 12, Prairie at 13, Logos at 14. Okay two of those teams are going to make it. And I I really, I mean, I think Clearwater Valley at five and two, I think they're in pretty good shape. Um, But then it's with, with Lapway, Potlatch, Prairie and Logos. um, And who knows, maybe Troy without knowing the mathematical formula, who knows, but it's, it's, it really appears to be as simple as you you just got to win. You just got to win. So to that measure, Lapway and Potlatch play this week, that might be one step, you know, one step short of a playoff game where, you know, the winner 
still can realistically think about playoff football, whereas the loser can think about playing out the string and getting ready for basketball and, and wrestling. I don't know. Uh, but that's that's certainly how it looks uh, optically from where we sit without knowing, you know, what all the ingredients are in the recipe. Yeah. So, again, if you're watching the video version of this uh, prep cast on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, I'm sharing my screen right now. And it's got the Max Preps rankings for 1A D1 football. Here's the breakdown for the auto bids. There are the three teams from District 2. Right now, Kamii very comfortably, um, you know, in that pole position. Clearwater Valley all alone in second place right now um, with just one league loss. And right now, you know, there's that tie for third um, between Potlatch, Prairie, Lapway. It's, it's, it's kind of a mess, you know, for the moment, for the moment, Prairie still has that third slot, although they're, their hold on that is slipping. They've got the head-to-head win over Potlatch and the head-to-head loss against Lapway. So Prairie is really going to be cheering for Potlatch. This for weekend. sure. I mean, right. I think that uh, for for some of those teams, if they're not going to win out, they want the waters to be as muddy as possible. They, they're, they you know, like Logos, I think right now, is rooting for some sort of a tiebreaker because uh, they're playing good football right now and they want to have that opportunity. Prairie... Um, Trenton Lawrence getting hurt really, really spun them backwards. Um, They have not been very explosive on offense, and they've struggled on defense without their best athlete. And we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast. We write about it in the previews. We talk about it all the time. In eight-man football, even the best of teams are a twisted ankle or two away from being in a tough tough bind. Now, my understanding is Lawrence should be back. Uh, I don't know if he'll be back this week or potentially next week. So let's not, you know, let's not write the the eulogy on on the Pirates just yet. But they have really felt that impact as they went from a team that was top five and and looked like pretty much a lock uh, to a team that you know they're going to need to win a football game or two here if if they want to get one of those spots. Yeah, Prairie uh, plays in Kuski Friday night against Clearwater Valley, and mm-hmm. then they host Logos. So again, if they win out and Potlatch defeats Lapway then they get that third slot because, you know, even if they and Potlatch remain tied in the standings, they will have the head-to-head victory over the loggers. So really, you know, to me, and, and you know, nothing is set still, right? With with two games to go in the White Pine League, uh, Cami, I could lose the next two games and, and Clearwater Valley could go 2-0, and and then all of a sudden the Rams are your league champ. So so even Cami at the top, nothing has been officially clinched yet. But mm-hmm. – we, we feel good about Kamii. We feel good about Clearwater Valley. That third spot really up in the air. The rest of the auto bids look like this. Uh, from District 3, you're going to get two teams. Notice and Rimrock are both 2-0. and um, Rimrock plays Idaho City this week. Uh, the Wildcats are 1-1 one one in league play, 1-5 overall. If Rimrock wins that game, it sets up a showdown with Notice in the regular season finale where both teams are already going to the playoffs, but the winner will win the conference and get a bye and all that good stuff. Um, So for, for Idaho city, um, this is an important game for the wildcats because if they defeat, it's a playoff game, it's a playoff game. If they win, they have a chance. If they lose, they're done. Um, The thing is, is they could, you know, if they win, they could either beat Rimrock outright for that second spot, or they could wind up tied for second, but then they'd have the head to head. 
So it's it's really it's for Jason Rober and his team up there. If they want to go to the playoffs, it is a must must win game. And and Rimrock, you know, they don't have to win it, but it certainly probably makes life a lot simpler. It's a very straight arrow there, in that if if they win, they're in. And and for the Raiders, it's probably been a while since they've been able to say that. And I guarantee that Coach Sam Ward, he's got a young team, he's got some good athletes. There, I guarantee you, they're talking about you know if if we go up to Idaho City Friday night and take care of business. We are going to the playoffs, and it's been a while since Rimrock's been able to say that. Yeah, I mean, if Rimrock loses, then they have to not only beat Notice, which is you know a tall That's task, a tall order. That's a but, very tall order. But, but then, then Idaho they, City would have to lose to Wilder as well. Yeah, and or, or you know, then they'd have to be on the right side of a tiebreaker as well. You know, you never want to leave it up to tiebreakers. So no. you're right, Rimrock easiest path is to get a win here and then take on notice and, and see what happens. Uh, we'll get to District 4 in a second. I'm going to bypass that because that's where the controversy, you know, really is lying in, in the Max Preps rankings. District 5-6, you know, we know it's Butte County. It's Grace. Butte County beat Chalice Mackey 7-C last week. Grace gets to play Chalice Mackey 7-C this week, and then Butte County and Grace will play for the league title in the regular season finale. Both those teams very comfortably in. And then District 4 gets three auto bids. We like Oakley. We like Raft River. They're the first and second place teams. 4-0 is Oakley. 4-1 is Raft River. Carey currently in third at 3-1. The Panthers play Murtaugh in the regular season finale. That game probably decides, you know, that third auto bid. But both of those teams very firmly in Carey and Murtaugh both. And then there's Lighthouse Christian at 1-5 overall, 1-3 in the league. You know, I got an email from a Carey fan. Uh, and I think it's the same guy that emailed you a couple weeks ago, Will. And he's like, why do you keep talking about Lighthouse Christian? You need to recognize that Carrie is the real story in 1A D1. And I don't disagree. Carrie has been phenomenal in their transition to 1A D1. But these... well, I don't think that anybody su- that surprises anybody, though. Right. I mean, uh, people who pay attention. Now, there were people that were that were saying, hey, and, and th- this is people I talk to. And I talk to people every week. So going back to, to June and July and August, there were a lot of people saying, hey, we know that Kerry can play, but it's different when you're going up every week against Oakley and then Raft River and then Murtaugh and then Lighthouse Creek and on and on and on and on. That was No one was ever questioning whether or not Kerry could play. The question was, can they carry it out over eight weeks? And, and frankly, they have. You take out one, one game where Grace's defense really locked them down. They've been arguably as good, and and I know they've lost another game. Um, uh, I forget who it was against, but it was a similar game where they had some turnover issues. Um, but they've they've been as as good as just about anybody in the state. They really have, and I don't think that there are that many people who are truly surprised by that. Right. Yeah. Carrie's other loss was to Oakley uh, by Oakley. One, there you go. one one possession, 42 to 36. And I misspoke. Carrie and Murtaugh play this Friday. And then Carrie uh, wraps up the year with Raft River in a game where if Carrie wins that, they could get second place in, in the league standings. So Carrie. Those are two tough games. You know, yes. Murtaugh's pesky. Um, you know, they've got some kids that can really play ball. They're not super big, they're not super deep, but they, they've got some kids who can really play. And Raft River, we know Raft River's tough. They're just they're just a tough ball team. 
Definitely. So, so my point to the Carrie fan that emailed in is yes, we recognize Carrie's had a great season. And I feel like we've talked about that pretty consistently week in, week out. I think he's taking exception that we keep talking about. Well, you know, Lighthouse Christian, they've been close in a lot of games. And if they can win a couple, you know, they're probably a playoff team. You know, we, that's because that's what Max Prep says. It's not like we're Lighthouse Christian homers. We're just telling you that's the story. Like that, we're just telling you what the data shows us. And so we have to talk about it because they're one in five, and yet they're com- they're they're comfortably in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, they're they're one and five, and by the maps math Max Prep's rankings, they're the ninth ranked team in the state. They're ahead of a five win team, a four win team multiple three win teams that i mean that's a that's that's a talking point i don't care you know i don't care who your team is that's a talking point and and i think it's a talking point for two reasons because it really draws attention to the fact that no one really has a firm grasp of how this is determined but it also makes you go look at lighthouse christian which we've talked about a number of times on this on this very podcast they've got a lot of speed they've got a lot of skill and even though their record is one in five, they've been in a lot of football games. They could be very easily three and three. They could very easily be four and two. Uh, but as this, the way the ball bounces, they're they're one and five. But they've been rewarded by the formula, by the math, because of who they've played. Uh, they've played. They've played an elite schedule. I mean, I I don't think you can argue that anyone has played a tougher schedule cumulatively over six games than Lighthouse Christian. I mean, let's let's look at the schedule here. They have played Oakley, the number one team. They've played Raft River, the number two team. They've played Cary, the number three team. They have played Grace, the number five team. They have played Butte County, the number seven team. And then they played Valley last week and got their first win. So you know they have played four of the top seven they have or, or five of the top seven they have played four of the top five mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and and they haven't it's not like every week let's let's be straight about it you know every week it's not like it's been 58 to 6 they there have been some really good football games in there that that the lines have just come up on the short end of the the short end of the stick so I think this is the big thing with Lighthouse Christian, and we'll dive into their resume here in a second. Let's let's talk about these at-large bids and why I, I think only three White Pine teams are going to get in. I'll, I'll walk you through this exercise. So there are three at-large bids available. One of them is going to go to either Grace at number five or Butte County at number seven. District mm-hmm. five, six only gets one auto bid, right? So these, these two are both comfortably in. So now you're down to two bids. Murtaugh at number eight. Their ranking is 43.7. That's a pretty healthy lead. You feel pretty good about Murtaugh or Cary or Raft River, whoever takes fourth in that league, getting an at-large bid. So now you're down to one. And that's where you look at Lighthouse Christian, the next team on the line at 35.5. Lapway is the closest at 32.9. This this number in the in the middle column here. So for Oakley, seventy two point one. That's their max preps ranking. The number to the right of that is their strength of schedule ranking. So Oakley has played the toughest schedule in eight man football this year at forty nine point three. But right behind them is Lighthouse at forty eight point four. And then there's nobody else within, you know, fifteen points of that 
Yeah. So and those of you that are that are watching on YouTube and you're able to look at what we're saying, look at those teams around them. Uh, Murtaugh, 23.5, Clearwater Valley, 27.8, Lapway, 22, Potlatch, 11.4. Depending on the weight of that number, um, which obviously because it has Lighthouse Christian at number nine, there is some there is some significant weight to that number. It's going to be tough for some of those teams that are down a little bit lower. You know, could Glens Ferry, if they sneak out a couple of wins, could they make a little bit of a move up, perhaps? But again, you know, it's it's that strength of that's that strength of schedule thing because Glens Ferry at at forty two point six um, is 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 third. Um, you know, and it's it, they're all out of those same districts. But I, I think you're right in that. You know, Lighthouse Christian, as long as they don't really stumble. They're in they're in pretty good position, which is, you know, logically, that seems weird to say about a team that's one and five. Right. So we have we have uh, in addition to this prep cast, we have regional prep casts all around the state. Right. North Idaho, Treasure Valley, Magic Valley, East Idaho for, you know, region specific content. Last year on the Magic Valley prep cast, uh, Scott Burton is uh, my co-host for that. And he called he called Max Preps and said, hey. Explain to me how this formula works. And they, they couldn't tell him. They said, we don't know the exact formula, which it boggles my mind that Max Preps doesn't know that. Um, but what yeah. Scott was able to find out was strength of schedule definitely matters. And there is some sort of built-in mechanism that takes into account your expected outcome. So, for example, Lighthouse Christian at one in five plays carry at four and two the expected outcome is carry wins by three scores and i'm just using this as an example well mm-hmm. if lighthouse christian only loses by one score when they were expected to lose by three that gives them a significant boost as well so for lighthouse christian having one possession losses to both grace and carry in addition to their strength of schedule has elevated them that that, that is my analysis of what we're seeing here I mean, and that makes sense. Now you can argue whether or not you think that that's a good formula. Um, right. I think there's an argument to be made both for and against it, but it, it does make some sense. It does. Um, I, I don't mind rewarding teams for playing tougher, um, you know, because God knows we've seen some games this year that have just gotten away from teams and they've been, uh, you know, they, they've been, they've been pretty hard to watch. Um, so I, I don't mind you given a little bit of a nod to to a team that that is able to keep some games close and especially when you're playing some of those big boys definitely so again you know looking at this max preps breakdown the the second reason i i think there won't be a white pine team that that jumps ahead is because last week lighthouse christian was ahead of clearwater valley in the rankings um and it was close between the two teams Clearwater Valley goes out and defeats Potlatch. Lighthouse Christian defeats Valley. Now, you and I, using our our brains and our eyes, will tell you Clearwater Valley's win was more impressive, right? Potlatch is a better team than Valley. Mm -hmm. And yet, despite the the bigger signature win, Clearwater Valley still couldn't leapfrog Lighthouse Christian. So if Clearwater Valley couldn't leapfrog Lighthouse after beating Potlatch, I don't know how anybody in the White Pine, even if they win, it's going to be able to leapfrog lighthouse. Does that make yeah, sense? It, 
logically what you're saying makes sense. It, it's it's going to be tough, and that's why if you're Prairie, if you're Logos, you know, if if you're if you're Potlatch and Lapway, end of the day, the name of the game is to win. You know, your your playoffs are officially underway or unofficially underway, I should say. Um, you, you've still got games to play, but if you don't get it done Friday, if you don't get it done this week, the rest probably doesn't matter much except for window dressing. Yep. And so, yes, in the White Pine League, buckle up. These last two weeks are going to be phenomenal and and somewhat disappointing all at the same time because there really should be more teams from the White Pine that make the playoffs. Um, but it's the hand they've been dealt. So I guess we will have to wait and see with that. Um, okay, so 1A football or 1A D1 football. Uh, we've kind of wrapped up the discussion there. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on for anything last week or coming up? I, th- I think we hit all the big stuff, but no, I, th- I think we I think we get the, the big stuff all pretty good. And, and I think we're kind of at a point now where we're able to look ahead a little bit more, uh, a little clearer instead of, uh, you know, they're, they're, the, the paths are narrowing. Uh, so it's a little easier to kind of have an eye a couple weeks down the road. Right. Okay. Well, let's move to one eight D two football then. And this was a, a conversation I wanted to have with you. Um, and that is, we talked about, you know, max preps and scheduling tough versus, you know, scheduling not so tough. And Kendrick has run into a real problem up North where nobody wants to play them. Now, on our on our North Idaho prep cast uh, that we recorded yesterday, uh, I was a little harsh on on Timberline, and I I'm going to apologize not just here but on that podcast next week as well. Uh, Timberline forfeited their their league matchup with Kendrick, right? And I said, well, <laughs> nobody wants to play Kendrick right now. Timberline looked and said, yeah, no thanks, we're good. Uh, Coach West, uh, you know, sent me an email, sent me a message, and said, hey, we we don't mind playing Kendrick. We wanted to play Kendrick, but the week we were supposed to, we only had seven kids. We had some injuries. We had a kid who, you know, was, was out for other reasons. And we just, we didn't have enough bodies to play Kendrick. And there was nowhere else on the schedule with two weeks to go to make up that game. So yes, we had to forfeit, but it's not because we didn't want to play Kendrick. It's because we couldn't, we literally only had, you know, less than eight players. So Again, my apologies to Timberline. I wanted to make that distinction. But- well, and that's and that's very much of a factor for a number of schools, especially in the D two ranks. You know, you might only have eleven or twelve kids rostered. Um, you know, Meadows Valley earlier this season was given it a go with, you know, eight and a half kids. You know, they they had their eight and they had one sub who, if I'm not mistaken, was was not a hundred percent healthy. And I might be wrong there, so don't completely quote me on that. But we, we hear that frequently, you know, we hear that frequently where uh, teams, you know, they're, they're beat up for whatever reason, you know, maybe a kid didn't get his science homework done, so he's not eligible to play. And, and all of a sudden, you know, especially when you've got that Kendrick looming on the schedule, um, you know, you're, you're, and we talk about margin for error a lot. We'll talk about it again. Uh, Timberline's margin for error was probably not very good to begin with against a team like Kendrick, who I think has proven, I think they have proven that regardless of classification, they're the best 1A football team in the state right now. I think they've proven it because they went head-to-head with Oakley and they beat them. Um, So if you're a Timberline, you need everything working for you going into that matchup to begin with. 
and only having six kids. I mean, if they had a full hand, it was going to be a challenging, it was going to be a big challenge for them. Yep. I agree. So, you know, Timberline, again, the big game for them is, is next Friday against Lewis County winner of that game gets the second bid uh, to, to the state playoffs. So that's what they're really gearing up for. They were able to pick up a game on Tuesday against the Lapway JV. They won that game pretty convincingly. I think 70 to 14, they're going to play the Orofino JV this Friday. So they're still getting games in and they're, like I said, gearing up for that Lewis County match. So, so Kendrick has had to play a lot of Washington schools this year for two different reasons. One, because district one, decided to basically play a conference schedule twice, right? Everybody was supposed to play each other twice. And that pretty much filled up all the entire schedules for all of the district one team. So it's not like Mullen St. Regis could go play Kendrick. I'm sure they'd love to, but you know, with seven conference games, it's just not going to happen. So Kendrick has had to go next door to Washington and they've had nothing but problems. They played Wilbur Creston Keller, you know, back in September in a game that was called in the third quarter. Uh, Wilbur Creston Keller waved the white flag and said, "We're there's no point in continuing. We're done. Last week, they play Liberty Bell, Washington. The game gets called in the second quarter. And again, it's because of apparent concerns over injuries. Now, the, the impression I got, the Lewiston Tribune did a nice job of writing about this and summarizing it. Um, the Liberty Bell parents, I think, uh, thought that Kendrick was playing dirty, which they absolutely were not. Kendrick is just really good, really powerful. And if you're not ready to handle that as a, as a varsity team, it can be kind of jaw dropping when it actually happens. So they call the game before it's even halftime and Kendrick's like, what do we got to do? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, and not having seen the video, I, it's not fair for me to comment other than I've talked to a number of I specifically talked to Justin Podravsky, the uh, the Genesee coach, after Kendrick hung 100 points on him, and he's like, "Nope, no issues, no concerns. They were they were on the clear, they were on the up and up, they were respectful, they were sportsmanlike. Just sometimes, you just can't control what's happening when you're that good." And and he even made the joke something to the effect of, "You know, Kendrick is the number one." 1A Division II team in the state, their JV might be number two. I mean, that's just that's just how good they are right now. And um, unfortunately, when you're scrambling to fill games, and there's a concern, or there was a concern earlier that this week, they've scheduled another Washington team this week, Tico Rosalia. That's um, a not very good team, you know, up near Spokane. And they had lost their game last week, 70-something to nothing. Um, so there, and and Coach Zane Hobart said there were concerns on whether or not that game would happen. And I said, well, if it gets canceled, what do you do? And he just shrugged and said, I guess we got another bye week. Um, so it's it's tough for them because what do you if you're Kendrick, what do you do? And I've heard enough from opposing coaches in Idaho that have said Kendrick is fine. They're not dirty. They're not cheap. They're they're not unsportsmanlike. They're just that good. And, and when other coaches are pretty free about saying that, I feel pretty comfortable. I, pr- I feel pretty comfortable with that, what they're saying. So if, if you're Kendrick, what do you do? You know, you can't tell the kids, you know, okay, well, maybe play 50%. Are you going to, are you going to bench your starters? Are you going to punish your good players because they're too good by not letting them play? What do you do? What do you do? It's, it's, 
it's a bummer deal. And I'm sorry to hear that the, uh, the Liberty Bell game <clears throat> ended the way that it ended. Um, Wilbur Creston, I, I don't know the specifics of that, but again, it's, you know, if, if people want to look at those scores and, and raise a flag, I'd say, look at what Kendrick's been doing to people for two years now and look at what they're probably going to do to him for another two years. This is, it's a really good program. And at some point you got to let them play. And, and to coach West's point down at Timberline, Hey, we'll, we'll go play. You know, you, you just got to know going in, if you don't play good football, you're going to take it on the chin and you're going to take it on the chin hard because that's just how good Kendrick is. Yeah. And I guess this is where I take exception to the Washington schools. Uh, the, the same thing happened to Sandpoint at the 4A level where two years in a row, Colville had the, had a game scheduled against Sandpoint looked at it and said, nah, we're going to cancel. We don't want to play. Um, if, you, if you're concerned, because you can't tell me when they were looking like Liberty Bell or Wilbur Creston or whoever, Tico Roselia now, unless they are simply not even bothering to check, they're very aware of what Kendrick is. If you don't think your team is ready to play at that level, and, and not all teams are, I'm not judging, not all teams are. If you don't think your team is ready to play at that level, don't schedule that game. Yeah. It's really pretty simple. Don't schedule it, and if you do schedule it, make the commitment and play the full game. Play the game. Like, play I play the game. I'm sick of it, to be honest, with these Washington schools. <laughs> Good thing this isn't a Washington podcast. Uh, hey, I'm from is. Washington. Be nice to me, <laughs> for sure. Um, but that that brings me to to the bigger question I wanted to ask you, and then I'll we'll dive into this one AD two specifics for playoffs and stuff. But okay. we've seen this year where you know. Wilder had a game against Camas County and they canceled it where uh, I'm trying to remember Rimrock had a game against, I can't remember if it was Castle Ford or who it was, but they, but they canceled it where teams are looking and saying, you know what? We're not going to play you. The disparity is too large. Is, is that I'm worried it's going to create a system of, of almost like the, like in college football where all the powerful schools just play each other and the, the schools that are on the other end that are building but not quite there yet are kind of left on their own. Is it going to create this class separation system of the haves and the have-nots where the have-nots are not playing the haves anymore? I think to a large extent, um, you can almost make that argument that it already exists to a degree. The thing that I do like about the max preps thing, given the strength of schedule thing, it's forced some teams to schedule some tougher games. Um, Kyle Dalsolio at Wilder, I remember him telling me last year after they went five and three uh, and, and missed the playoffs, they, they were not one selected as one of the at-large teams. He was able to basically remedy that a little bit by, okay, I've got to go schedule Murtaugh. I've got, I, I can't just load up and, and I'm not singling Wilder out as though they, you know, scheduled down. There are a lot of teams in district three where you have, Western Idaho Conference and Longpin just kind of cross over because it's it's convenient. You know, it's an hour bus ride instead of a four-hour bus ride. You're not pulling kids out of school. You're not missing days. You're not, you know, having to do all this fancy things. It's jump on the bus after school, go play the game, come home. You're in your own bed by, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Um, 
so it, it the the max preps thing the one thing that i that i like about it so far is that it is it's forcing some teams to to schedule some tougher games instead of just taking kind of the low hanging fruit a little bit um and and wilder will benefit as as will anybody that's that's being forced to play up a little bit instead of just loading up on the the 1AD2s down the block so to speak um it's i think that it's it's um it's part of why some of these things like the Idaho eight man classic have been such a good thing because they're forcing tougher teams to play each other. And there's, there's really, there isn't a way, there isn't a way to dodge anybody anymore. Um, As for games getting canceled, I think that, I think those still need to be considered on a case by case basis. Um, The game that Rimrock canceled was, was much like the, um, was much like the Timberline game where, you know, they've only got, 13, 14 kids on the roster, and they had they had four or five kids out, whether it was injuries or uh, illness or whatever. They just they physically didn't have enough bodies, and it really drives home the importance of rostering. You know, being able to roster enough kids. Um, you know, some of these newer slash smaller schools uh, like Meadows Valley, they're they're battling some of those growing pains right now. Um, Mullen had to uh, combine with St. Regis to make sure that they were able to stay on the field. But uh, head coach and athletic director Spence, uh, Stetson Spooner did what he needed to do to keep his kids on the field. And I think that that should be commended. Um, some of these ones like Rimrock, you know, if, if you've never seen where Rimrock is, just find about the least populated part of Idaho that you can find and put a dot. And that's probably Rimrock High School. Who are you going to co-op with? You know, so if you're going to try and co-op that way, I don't know how you're going to do it. Um, so, you know, they they have what they have. And if they have injuries and if they have illnesses, Camas County would be another one that's somewhat similar to that geographically a little bit. Um, Idaho City is another one that, that geographically could be a little bit like that as well. And and when you're down numbers, if, if it's a legit thing, um, I don't mind it. Um, I do kind of cock an eyebrow when mysteriously, and I'm using this as an example, I'm not saying this is what's happening, but mysteriously Oakley has three straight non-conference games canceled. You know what I mean? That's, you know, what's happening, you know, potentially to Kendrick would, would cause one to, to look at it and say, okay, or do we have, do we have teams ducking or do we have legitimate issues here? And, and, you know, you heard firsthand from, from Timberline's coaching staff they had legitimate issues there. Um, pulling the plug at halftime because your team's getting beat, that's not as legit to me. Yeah. And I just, if you're a team that's trying to build and you're not ready to compete with the Kendricks of the world, you know, I think you do have to have a game or two where you challenge your team and you're, you know, uh, I, I really like what Clark County has done where it's a hybrid JV varsity schedule, right? They've played some JV teams from other schools, but their league games, you know, they're, they're not, you know, technically a member of the league, a full fledged member, but they, they played, you know, North gems varsity and they play, they're playing Rockland's varsity and they're playing water Springs. I mean, it's varsity games and you know, they're on the wrong end of it, but it's going to make them stronger. It's going to make them a better team. Yeah. And specifically to that example, to the Clark County example, Corey Hatch, the head coach at North gem, was like, hey, nothing but respect. You know, they they didn't have a lot of kids. You know, we got up on them. We got a lead. And he's like, you know what they did? They kept scrapping until the clock hit all zeros. 
they competed. They worked their butts off. And I think that kids, given the choice, are always going to want to play. They're always going to want to, hey, we're, we're good. Let's go play. You know, Meadows Valley, What we talked about them a little bit. Um, Jared McElvain, the head coach there, has told me a couple of times, you know, we had a couple of games that started to get away from us. We didn't, we, you know, we only had eight kids dressed for that given game. You know, do we, do we want to think about, you know, pulling the plug? Do we want to think about canceling? Do we want to think about exploring a co-op? And, and he said his kids have been adamant. No, we're Meadows Valley. We're the Mountaineers and we're here. Let's go play. And, and I think that kids in general are going to want to do that. Kids are going to want to compete. So like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, they, they, being healthy and being able to roster enough kids, that's, that's the trick. And as long as you can do it, do it, do it. Let's go play. And if you got a tough team on the schedule, um, you know what? Goliath fell hard. And, and the only way Goliath's ever going to fall hard is if you throw a rock at him. If you don't even throw a rock at him, he's never going to fall. Well, before you can throw the rock, you have to step into the arena as well. Correct. Yep. Correct. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Good food for thought. Uh, interesting philosophical discussion that really came to my attention this year, maybe more so than in years past, but we'll move on. Well, it does feel like that it's been a little more prevalent the last year or two. And I know that COVID concerns were a part of it for some, but also there are just some teams that roster wise, they just don't have particularly deep rosters. Um and, you know, there's there are teams like uh, Salmon River, for one, and Riggins. They do not have a deep roster. Uh, but their coaching staff up there is looking at the junior high, and they're seeing a couple bigger classes come up. So they're, they're, they're thinking, uh, and I'm speaking for them. They, they haven't said this to me, but the, the rationale would be if we can just hang on, if we can just kind of ride through this storm, helps on the way. And, and I hope, I hope. There's help on the way for everybody. Um, you know, Kootenay's another one that has had some trouble with numbers um, in the not-so-distant past. Hopefully there's help coming for them, too, and I'd like to see 16, 18, 20 kids on every team, every team. You know, let's play Let's play full JV schedules. You know, let's play full games. Let's, let's, let's load them up. Let's, you know, let's fill those jerseys. Let's fill those buses, and, and let's give those towns, you know, a team that they can – really get behind definitely yep it's going to be uh interesting to watch how those schools adapt and thrive what's going on right now though let's you know we were talking about clark county let's keep it in district five six where the first domino fell right this three-team round robin over the final three weeks of the regular season water springs delivers the first blow in a pretty big way over north gem a 42 to nothing shutout and so now it sets up water springs and Rockland this Friday, a win by the Warriors gives them the league title. Yeah, and they have uh, arguably, well, I don't even think it's arguable. I think they have the best player in that conference uh, in terms of, of what he's doing on the field on a week-in, week-out basis in Drew Plocker. Um, you know, Rockland has some kids that can play. Teague Matthews, the Permans, you know, they've got some kids that can play. Um, so far, what Water Springs seems to have done better than the other two teams in that conference is take care of the football. And Corey Hatch said, you know, we're sometimes our own worst enemy. Some games, North Gems looked pretty dang good. Other games, they haven't looked as good. Um, and same thing with Rockland. They've had some turnover issues that um, has hampered them in a couple of games that um, maybe if they play cleaner football, maybe they get the win. And, and I would expect if Water Springs can take care of the ball, um, 
and if, if they can limit Rockland's big plays, I mean, I, I would expect Water Springs to win that football game. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to watch. And then Rockland will play North Gem next Friday in the regular season finale to where, you know, North Gem is going to be cheering for Rockland because then if Rockland beats Water Springs and North Gem beats Rockland, then that creates this three-way tie. You're right back where you started. Everybody's <laughs> on the same playing field. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't even reached out to ask how that would be settled. I assume it would be some sort of point differential amongst the, the conference games. You know, to, yeah, to, hard to say, hard um, to say. It's, it seems like more and more, especially when you're talking about um, the possibility of having to really travel. You know, if you play a tiebreaker on Monday and then you have to travel on Thursday to play on Friday, you know, maybe if you're if you're water springs and I, I'm, I'm making this up, I don't have the bracket in front of me. But if you're water springs and you would have to go to, say, um, you know, Lewis County. You know, you, you want as much time to get ready for that as you can instead of gearing up for a play-in, the playoff, um, and then having, you know, basically two days to get ready for your next game. That's that's a tough challenge. So I, it does feel like, uh, and maybe it's just a perception, maybe it's not a reality at all, but it seems like more and more people are uh, open to finding alternative tie-breaking methods uh, such as point differential versus, oh, let's just do a Kansas City tiebreaker and call it good. Right. Uh, because that's a Monday you're taking kids out of school as well. So mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, yes, uh, here are the, the cleanest paths are Water Springs beats Rockland or Rockland beats Water Springs at North Gem. And then one and two is pretty easy. North Gem is the only team that doesn't control its own fate anymore and needs uh, some help and some chaos to, to reign there. Um, so we'll see what happens when Water Springs takes on Rockland. District 4 had the game of the week, though. Dietrich, Castle Ford, battle of undefeated teams. Really, the key to me, uh, Will, I thought was Dietrich got up 14 nothing early. And then the two sides kind of traded scores from there. But that that two-score lead that Dietrich built up at the start carried them to the finish. Yeah, and, and Castle Ford's defense is tremendous. And their offense has been fine. It's not like they're you know scoring eight points a game or anything like that. But in an eight-man game, it, it's hard to chase points like that. When, when a team starts to build up a little separation, you're going to eventually have to create some turnovers, create some change of possession to come back. And it can certainly happen. God knows we've seen it happen often enough. But but you, you don't want to get yourself in a hole where you're chasing a team like Dietrich. That's a really good football team there. And, uh, you know, you if, if you're going to trade punches with them, just make sure you're trading punches on the level, not trading punches when you're already trailing on all three scorecards to right. kind of go with the, the boxing analogy there. <laughs> Right. Cody Power threw a couple of touchdowns early. Uh, Case Robertson did his usual thing, made some big plays for Dietrich. The play of the game, I thought, though, actually came from Castleford. And they've kind of quietly made this shift where at the start of the year, Jamie Ramos was playing quarterback and Ethan Rowland was the returning all-state wide receiver. They've kind of flip-flopped that now where Rowland is the quarterback and Ramos is playing wide out. Mm-hmm. And on, on Friday in Dietrich, this was a game that we had on IdahoSports.com. Um, so I went back and watched it. Um, there's a play down near the goal line where Ethan Roland is rolling out to his right. Ramos cuts back towards the left part of the end zone and Roland throws it across his body, you know, like through a defender to Ramos for the touchdown. It was a really impressive uh, display of athleticism yeah. from Ethan Roland. It was, it was he, pretty And cool. I don't think people, I mean, he's, he's a good size kid. 
Yeah, six, he's three. not some five seven hundred and forty pound scat back. You know, he's six one, six two. He's probably 170, 180 pounds. Um, I don't think that he gets sometimes the attention that he has earned and that he deserves. He's a really good football player, and he does it on both sides of the ball. And as you mentioned, he he did it some last year as well with Eric Taylor, where you know sometimes he'd be quarterback. Uh, and Eric Taylor would be, you know, at receiver, and then sometimes Eric Taylor would be the quarterback, and Roland would line up at running back. I mean, they 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 move him around to to um, uh, exploit matchups. Seems to be what they're trying to do, and they've done it with with pretty good success. Definitely. So Dietrich is in the driver's seat, but they're not out of the woods yet because they've got to take on Camas County on Friday. And so there's three bids to the playoffs from this league. And there are four teams still fighting for it. It's Dietrich, Castle Ford, Camas County, and Hanson. Hanson finishes the year with Castle Ford and Camas County. So if the Huskies go 2-0, and they just played themselves into a playoff spot. Yeah. No, nothing is settled yet in this conference with two weeks to go. No, it's not. But there's, it's realistically, you look at it, Hanson has to play their way in. That's what's going to have to happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, all you want as a competitor is you want that chance. You don't want to be North Gem where you're really hoping somebody else loses. You want to be the team that has a chance to go do it yourself. And they have that chance. Yep. Uh, District three, uh, we've got some pretty intriguing stuff going on there where I'll admit I, I kind of uh, thought Horseshoe Bend was the favorite against Garden Valley last Friday. Um, I was wrong. And uh, Garden Valley deserves a little more credit and respect than what I have given them as they they really took it to Horseshoe Bend. And now it sets up these two really fascinating games in District 3 where Council and Garden Valley will meet this Friday for essentially the regular season conference title and the first round bye that comes with that. And then on the other end, you've got Tri-Valley taking on Horseshoe Bend. And that is a game that's going to decide that third playoff spot from the district. The thing I've been really impressed with with Garden Valley in looking at them from afar, defensively, they've been really good. Jaden Hunt, Aaron Oaks leading the way on that defense. Teams are having a hard time hitting explosive plays on them. And in eight-man football, you know, I mean, if if you can't break a big one, it's 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 going to be a pretty long day for you. And they just – they don't give up a lot. And then you turn around on offense and – you know, Tacoma Kelly and, and and crew are continuing to do a good job there. But I've been really impressed with Garden Valley's defense. Caden Zimmer, what, two interceptions, three interceptions this past uh, week in that game against Horseshoe Bend. I think that I'd have to go back and listen to our exact conversation from early in the year. I think both of us had Garden Valley pegged as a, as a probable playoff team. Um, but right now, I, I wonder if they're not the probable conference champion. Now they have to go to council. Okay. That's not going to be an easy game because that council team is a good team, but um, you know, garden Valley is playing some really, really good football right now. And they really have been all year. And they've, the thing that I like about them is, is the crescendo is going this way, right? Horseshoe Bend started strong. They've run into a couple buzzsaws here in the last few weeks and they've taken a couple L's. They need to write that ship. And they need to get going back the the other direction. I mean, I still I still think they're a good team. That I I don't know that I'd be too thrilled to see the Mustangs opposite me in a in a state playoff game. But they've kind of they've got to they've got to fix they've got to fix the 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 way the car is rolling right now, and they need it rolling a little bit in another direction. And um, Tri Valley is 
um, you know, they're they're playing for their playoff lives as well. So they're not just going to show up and, and lay down. So, um, you know, Coach Elliott and the Mustangs, they've got some work in front of them in that matchup to, to get things turned around and get things going. Um, but, boy, that, that Council Garden Valley game, that's, that's, that's a really good matchup. Yeah, and there's a great sense of urgency now for Horseshoe Bend, where they have they have to win this game Friday, or they they are out of the playoff picture. And so, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, for Garden Valley, they kind of had a soft schedule early. They kept piling up these wins, and I was kind of in the back of my mind going, you know, prove it, prove it against a good team. Well, they went out and did that. And I think what I forgot along the way about Garden Valley is Jason Yearsley is is a hell of a coach. <laughs> He's so yeah. good. I, I kind of forgot about that, but I was they reminded. Just, they just seem to do it every year. And, and the yeah. thing is, is they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of like Rimrock in that you don't necessarily hear a ton about them because there's not like, you know, the Garden Valley Gazette newspaper that has a beat writer at practice every day or anything like that. So, you know, you, you, you have an idea, like we can look at them on paper and we did when we wrote the preview and we're like, well, they got a few pretty good ball players there. Let's see what they can do. And then, like you said, a couple early games where um, maybe not the most um, the the staunchest, stiffest schedule of all time, um, and they they do what you know. And, and this is the thing when when teams <clears throat> say, <coughs> "Excuse me, you're fine." Well, man, they're playing a soft schedule. What are you supposed to do against a soft schedule? You're supposed to win seventy to nothing. So they did what they were supposed to do. Right. And now <clears throat> they're getting into the holy cow, man. You're you're all right. Here. <laughs> get yeah, get some water. Get get some get a little H2O, a little hydration. No, uh, I holy think cow. Now they're getting to that tougher part of their schedule. And again, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, so Garden Valley has got a an interesting game coming up on Friday for sure. Let's wrap up the conversation up north uh, in District 1, up in the North Star League, where uh, Mullen St. Regis played Clark Fork for the second time last Friday and won 56-40. to 40. So, you know, pretty similar margins. The first time Mullen St. Regis won by 18. This time they win by 16. So the two sides, you know, are about, you know, two to three scores apart. But... The Wampus Cats we talked about, pretty exciting that they're they're honing in on that second playoff slot. But one big one big test still awaits them Friday night in Clark Fork. They will host Wallace for the second time this year. The winner of that game gets that second playoff spot. Um, earlier this year, Clark Fork and Wallace played in Wallace, and the Wampus Cats won that night uh, by a score of forty-two to fourteen. Now. Wallace was missing Landon Streeter. Uh, he'll be back for this game. Um, so I I still lean Clark Fork, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Wallace come out and win this. Yeah, I think uh, – and I'm, I'm excited to have some Ricola going now, so maybe I can actually get through an answer without coughing. <laughs> Ricola! Um, yep, yep. No, I, I, I would agree with you. I would, I would lean Clark Fork, but I would openly acknowledge that a healthy Landon Streeter – added to Parker Goldade and Eric Wilkinson and some of those other players. Um, they, they give Wallace more than a puncher's chance. Um, but that, that Clark Fork team is good. You know, Ethan Howard, Chase San Roman, that's a, that's a good group up there. And, and the Wampus Cats, I'm going to guess, even if they haven't publicly been saying it, the fact that they've, they've got that 
carrot dangling there, there there's some fired up kids up there this week. And, and I, 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 I would be shocked if they don't, you know, come out of the tunnel, so to speak, with their, their hair on fire, just ready to go and, and lock this thing up. Yeah, for sure. Mullen St. Regis wins the the conference um, by virtue of that win over Clark Fork last week. So uh, you could already pencil in the Tigers for um, that first round bye and uh, all the things that come along with it. You know, they get a first round bye and then they will get the winner of the 3B versus 2B. So that could be, you know, Horseshoe Bend slash Tri-Valley slash Timberline slash Lewis County could be any of those four teams that Mullen St. Regis would see in the quarterfinal round. And then they're on the same St. Regis. They've, they've done pretty good in that round the last couple of years. It's then going and playing Cary or Dietrich that has proven a little more challenging, but as, as coach Spooner has said, it's, it's been the incremental steps, you know, and, and each year they've gotten just a little bit farther and done just a little bit better. So maybe this is the year they kind of punch through. Well, and if everything shakes out the way we think it will, uh, you're you're looking at Mullen St. Regis having to play Dietrich in that semifinal round. So uh, a chance to exercise the demons of the past. Uh, I wanted to wrap on this pretty cool story with Mullen St. Regis where um, they had an injury to their starting center. So John Pruitt, the starting running back, uh, kind of volunteered and said, you know, hey, coach, I'll step up and play center. You know, I'm. And it's such an unselfish move, and it it paved the way for a really cool story. Yeah, he John Pruitt is a good running back, and he's like, "No, I got this. I'll play center." And so they were able to move some kids around and 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 give some other kids some opportunities to play at running back. And so Pruitt, instead of being the ball carrier that was running for touchdowns, he was the one blowing open the holes for other ball carriers to run for touchdowns. And you know, that kind of versatility is key, but also that kind of a team first mentality is, I think, very, very crucial. And um, I, I see I see it a lot and I love to point it out um, when I when I hear examples like this of a kid. And um, uh, it happens at, at Raft River sometime with Treg Whitaker, Treg Whitaker. He moves around some depending on the, the opponent, the situation, the matchups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I love to hear those stories. I love to hear a kid that's like, no, I, I will do what's best for the team. And and you like to see that rewarded. And, and Mullen was rewarded with a big win last week. And then Austin Zingler gets the start at running back, first career start for the junior, and uh, ends up rushing for, what was it, over 100 yards. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was close to 150, and a couple yeah. of scores had a really nice game. Yeah, and it was you know Pruitt and company leading the way up front, so that was kind of a cool story uh, from Mullen this past week. All right, we've gone long again. Uh, we'll probably go long next week talking about these final playoff matchups, and then once we get to the playoffs, I think we can condense things a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we've got an exciting slate of games uh, coming up this week. You know, on IdahoSports.com, I didn't even mention this, but we've got a pretty fascinating eight-man battle where it's a non-conference game at the D1 level. Raft River at Butte County, Friday night for Marco. You really can watch good that. matchup. Yeah, really good watch. matchup there, and I'm really interested to see it because, you know, we mentioned earlier, Raft River, they're just they're just a tough team. They're just, they, they kind of go in the mold of their coach, you know, just a little bit of a, 
uh, just a, a tough, no nonsense team. And, and Butte County, I've been on that Butte County train since day one. I'm not getting off of it now. Trading Allen, Corey Gamut, uh, Rebel Beard, go up and down that list. They've got a bunch of guys who can hurt you. And, and they're due, they're due for, and, and I'm not saying that, that this means they're going to get it, but they're due for that game that makes people go, oh, okay, that's what he's talking about. They're due for that game. And if and if they can have it this week on Idaho Sports against Raft River, that's what's gonna make folks say, okay, again, that that's why that's why Butte County's been that high all along. Yeah. Now Raft River, on the other hand, um, you know, they they have a chance to remind people, hey, we're the team that's been to the last two state championship games. We're the team that wins these matchups. So they get a chance likewise to make the entire state stop and remember that there's a pretty good football program involved. Yeah. And in fact, Trojans fans set your watch. Uh, the last two games of the year for Raft River will both be on IdahoSports.com, uh, Butte County this week, and then carry in that regular season finale. So that should That'll be, a, lot. be a great game. Raft River <laughs> carry will be a great game. Yeah, we've got some good ones on tap still along the way here on IdahoSports.com. Um, all right, we'll duck out, though. Uh, try and cut it to just under an hour. Sorry about that. I think the eight-man fans are okay with us. two minutes and 50 seconds. All right, uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks for tuning into the Idaho Eight-Man Prepcast. Enjoy the competitions this week, everybody. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.